0: Uh, the vegan menu switch was very painless to tell you the truth yeah but we really had very little feedback about that the vegans were really happy and uh, we just kept it on the down low and got a really good product so that sort of went pretty seamless I think and I think uh, we got more credibility from the vegan community and we were really yeah we were really proud of that and and also then I became vegan and now Sam is vegan because we he I I hovered for a while and it's been about a year or two since I've gone and he's recently transitioned too. Yeah, so we're all feeling really good about that. And some of the franchisees also have become vegan that were vegetarian or meat eaters.
1: Hi there, Veggie Mates. Welcome back to the Veg Talk Podcast. You just heard from Amanda Walker on transitioning from a vegetarian to fully vegan business. She is the co-founder of Australian fast food chain, Lord of the Fries and vegan bakery Weirdos both of which are extremely delicious and cruelty-free options in Melbourne and around Australia. She is our special guest for today and this is episode number 40 of the show. How are you all? I hope it's been a great week for you guys. Thank you for taking the time week in, week out to tune in and join the conversation. It's hard to believe we're approaching a year of the podcast. This has been one of the biggest shifts in my life and I'm enjoying the ride You're making this journey much easier for me personally so please do not underestimate your messages of support your feedback and also sharing on social media your help always comes at a good time a time where i'm probably questioning what the hell i'm doing with my life or a day that's just not going to plan so thank you guys speaking of shifts anna and i are getting back into the van We will have started our adventure back to the USA by the time this podcast is live, so you can expect a few van shots on Instagram stories and more van homemade recipes. If you're not following, uh, we're over at VegTalk, that's V-E-D-G-E-T-A-L-K. We also both launched our YouTube channels this week for the Spanish and English versions of the podcast. You can find them by searching VegTalk on YouTube. Subscribing and liking the channel really helps and also viewing a video or two if you've got a chance. My first video is up now, uh, it's from the conversation with Matt Kammer or Matt Kama, I apologize Matt. Uh, he answers the question, why are vegans always angry? It's a great response. Uh, yeah, please go have a look. Now to this week's show, I was lucky enough to get a message from Corinne at The Kind Community in Bali. When we were over there, uh, Amanda and her chatted and she was keen to have a conversation for the podcast. Unfortunately, we missed each other in Changu and Ubud, but made it all happen back in my hometown of Morris. Amanda is from Canada originally and met her husband Mark in Taiwan uh, when they were both teaching English. You'll hear that incredible story later. Together, they started Lord of the Fries in 2014 in a food trailer, and since then, it has taken Australia, and now New Zealand, by storm. It's not fast food as we know it. This is 100% vegan, cruelty-free, and absolutely delicious. They also have a vegan bakery. Weirdos, if you have been following along Instagram, it's likely you would have seen an ice cream-filled croissant at some point. Insanely good. That's enough from me. I'm getting hungry, just talking about it all. Please enjoy the show and I will see you all on the other side. All right, we're rolling guys. Welcome to another episode of the Veg Talk Podcast. We're back in my hometown of Beau Morris today. It's good to be back in Victoria. Little chillier than last time. The temperature is dropping. We're heading towards winter, but it is a beautiful day. I'm stoked for this conversation. We are with founder, co-founder of Lord of the Fries, uh, Amanda Walker. And we're yeah so stoked to have you here, Amanda. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay. So, I suppose the first thing that I'd love to talk about is um, just basically where you're from and and growing up. I know you're from Canada. So, Living in Australia is obviously a little bit different. What it was like growing up in Canada and, you know, just a little bit about like what what, might, what food might have been on the table back then or um, what life was like for you.
0: Okay, so I was born near Toronto and um, I stayed in Canada until I was 25. So in that time, a lot of stuff happened. But um, I like to tell you about when I became vegetarian. Okay, let's get
1: straight into it. Yeah, for sure.
0: So uh, basically, we had an environmental studies class. It was the first class that they held in our school talking about things related to the environment. They gave each of us an assignment, and my assignment was animal husbandry. And I thought, what the heck is that? So I went to the library and got the microfiche. I don't know if you remember what that is. It, no. It's before the computer, the internet. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you had to get these like slides and look up old news articles and encyclopedias and stuff. So I got all the encyclopedias and microfiche out and started to research animal husbandry, and um, it's the process of making animals uh, become meat for food. And it really changed my whole life. It blew my mind. I had no idea. I, I mean. It's weird when I look back and think about why I didn't register the fact that that cow in the field is like the same sort of bolognese that I'm eating with spaghetti or those drumsticks are um, chicken's legs. (laughs) You know, it was really mind-blowing. It was like my whole world kind of fell apart and it was very, very cruel. So the research was, um, you know, stuff that was happening in the 90s and prior to the 90s. Practices have changed, of course, but it was full on. There was not much regulation, I think, around hormones and chemicals that they were in the dyes they were putting into the meat, and the pro- they, it was absolutely cruel. Um, so it was very eye opening, and, um, th- and then I also realized the food fi- the sorry the food pyramid was false. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So everything in my life kind of changed at that moment. And I started to have a different, uh, you know, a different portal of the world opened up where not everything is what it seems. And if I had to stand up for something I believed in, which was pretty controversial, I guess, in the 90s, there were two other girls in my class that became vegetarians. One, she did the study on vegetarianism. And the other one, I'm not sure why, but three of us sort of stood together. And so what was on the table for me changed. Um, My dad sort of Eliminated the meat. We didn't really have tofu. Maybe more beans or something like that. I think I just probably had a lot more vegetables, and cooked a lot for myself. And my dad would frequently ask me to justify my choice. He um, is an intellectual kind of guy, so I would have to come up with all of the arguments why why he should support me being a vegetarian. So he was always suspicious. It was a fad or a phase. And it it could have been, but for me, it was an absolutely defining moment, a big change. And it it, it has changed into veganism, but uh, it also changed everything. Like, I realized that not everything is the way that it is. So that sort of spiraled into when I went to university. I studied sociology, which was the similar um, point of view. Things are not always what they seem, and, uh, you know, we sort of create this reality and um you can change reality as well so yeah that's uh that was canada's a lot of that a lot of questioning a lot okay. of um examining you know who i was what's going on out there what do i really want what do i believe in what do i stand for how can i stand up for myself who do i want to be with amazing and also really learning how to be a vegetarian very respectful okay to my parents who were, were meat eaters so they were very, very clear that they don't mind, that that's my choice, but they really don't want to feel guilty about the meat that they're eating. They're happy to have... My dad, he, you know, he would have the classic meat sort of perspective where he's like, I'd hunt and kill it if I could, you know. If, so he was very sort of proud and adamant in his stance and they wanted to me to be very mindful of that. So I think that that was a big breeding ground for the Lord of the Fries perspective
1: absolutely that's such a i suppose there's so many questions that i've got bubbling in my head now from from that story the the first one i suppose is how old were you when you did that project
0: i think uh 16
1: okay so you're in high school um the second one is the environmental link Mm. because it was an environmental project yeah with animal husbandry
0: yeah so what was the impact of the environment uh, yeah so we looked at the methane gases the greenhouse gases all the um deforestation the non-renewable land all of that i mean i i was like what is going on how can this be happening in the world and no one knows i mean i think a lot of people knew but it felt like that at the time this is such a big secret
1: Right. That's what I'm thinking. Like yeah. when you think of like school projects. So were you, were you assigned that topic? That, that was my assigned topic. So that's what I find kind of mind blowing yeah. is that the, the teacher mm. at that time in the 90s assigned you an environmental project on animal husbandry. Mm. I just feel like that kind of sounds ahead of its time.
0: Yeah. Well, it was the first time that they had ever offered this program. So I suppose it would have been an innovative teacher yeah. that was like, this is something I want to bring to the school. And all of us in the whole class, you know, it's probably 30 of us or something. We all had to look at different aspects of things that were happening in the world. So there, I remember particularly um, animal husbandry and vegetarianism. The rest of them, I, I don't really remember what anyone else mm. had. I think I was just like so taken back.
1: And did three people go vegetarian? Yeah, three of us from yeah. that project.
0: Yeah, and two of us are still. I'm vegan. Yeah. one's veg, and the other woman. I don't really talk to her anymore, but I might ask her one day.
1: That's still kind of wild. Yeah, isn't
0: it? yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Wow, it's really life changing. Yeah,
1: that's that is very cool. Yeah, um, and then you bring up your parents there as well. So yeah. I think that's something that we all we all kind of go through. Mm. We, you know, we change our diet we change our perspective on on what's really going on behind the scenes Mm. and then for a lot of us i'd say the majority of us we the first thing we want to do is tell the people we love yeah friends and family yeah so did your parents it sounded like they really kind of set the boundary early
0: yeah yeah you're right did you ever that's that's amazing of them isn't it
1: did you ever challenge them though did you ever
0: oh they're they're very strong So they, they didn't want to be challenged. No, No. they just wanted me to be able to explain to them why they should buy me this food, why they should cook it for me and why, yeah, they didn't want, they weren't, they did not appreciate being preached to. Yep. I had to justify my own actions. So I guess my dad was interested in gathering information and for me being, um, let's see, like having that depth of character. Mm Mm-hmm. As a teenage girl, because I'm sure there's lots of things I did where it's just very, very uh, fleeting. So, yeah, it was, it was, I'm really proud of him. And our relationship is really good. I think it was very genuine how they handled it. That's cool. And respectful of me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it was a very good opportunity for you to kind of learn the facts. Yeah. And present them.
0: Ugh, it was the worst. You also. know,
1: present them with... <laughs> the learnings yeah. that, that you'd found? It prob- yeah. Did it help you at all in the future when you know other people ask about your choice? Were you ready with, yeah, uh,
0: I've with, got some, with facts. some information? Yeah. yeah, I've got some facts. And I also did a few papers in university around uh, vivisection and okay. other aspects of uh, vegetarianism. But mostly I think um, I learned, for me, I feel happiest and safest when I sort of, don't go there. Lead by example mm-hmm. rather than trying to talk to someone about it. I just find it's very confusing actually. And it upsets me. So, so I don't really speak about it that much unless cool. somebody really wants to talk about it. And it's usually just with other vegans or vegetarians. Cool. Yeah.
1: No, it's a really, that's a really cool way to become a vegetarian. Mm. I think Yeah. it's rare that you hear you know, a school project is the, Uh, is kind of the instigator. So that, that's a cool one for (laughs) me. Um, When did you, when did you look at leaving Canada and um, what was kind of, yeah, your vision of, of what you wanted to do in the future?
0: Okay. That's a great question. So I had finished university and um, let's say um, had a lot of emotional stuff as a teenager And as a young woman, doing a lot of self-work, a lot of work on self-worth, a lot of work on being present, loving myself, um, giving. So I did a lot of volunteer work and exploring a lot of things that I know now, like universal truths. For so example, you can't change someone unless they change themselves, things like that. So I, I... I had really gotten into this sort of altruistic state, doing a lot of volunteer work. Um, and then I was working in the film industry, and I really liked that, because I like creativity and that stuff. But I also found there it was a lot of values clashing, so I started to see, okay, there's things that are really interesting on the surface, but then you're not in alignment, and it's very destructive. And same thing with relationships, just starting to realize, okay, maybe we've known each other for a long time, but it's actually very destructive. So in summary, I ended up in some very deep relationships where there was a lot of pain and um, I felt very lost and worn down and I really wanted to test my skills in the world and um, just uproot and explore and see who I really am. But because I'm Capricorn, i think i really like to make money so i was prepared to uproot and explore who i am and test you know if the universe really has my back but i wanted to make sure i had a job so i went to taiwan to teach english so that's how how come i left canada that's cool yeah how did
1: did you land on taiwan and also english teaching
0: Okay, English teaching was just a natural, uh, I I went from working in the film industry to English teaching, something that I didn't need to go back to uni for, because it was teaching English as a second language, so I could do my TESOL certification, so I didn't have to go all the way back to uni. And there's that um, sort of humane aspect that we get to to know each other, and I'm I'm really serving a sort of higher level by helping people learn how to communicate, because you learn a lot about people just in that process. And it's very empowering, so it just seemed a natural fit. In any case, um, Taiwan was is uh, went through a process of um, elimination. A few, yeah, a yeah, few questions. So there was Japan at the time. There was Japan, Korea, and Taiwan were the three places that people went to teach English to make money. Of course, you could go to Colombia or some other place in South America or Central America, but it wasn't really a hub for actually making a living. I had to pay back a lot of things for camera equipment and stuff I had bought because I thought it might be a filmmaker or something like that. So I okay, I thought Japan would be too strict. They have a lot of rules, and I'm not very great at following rules, so I canceled <laughs> that out. Korea, I didn't really um, know. Uh, like Korean food, there, I didn't really know that much about what, they, what I'd be eating there. And then there's the North Korea, South Korea. I kind of felt intimidated by that. And Taiwan had heaps of Buddhists lots and lots of vegetarian food so and it was so small so i thought that would be the best place
1: yeah definitely a good fit it helps when there's it helps when you know that the you know the vegan options are going to be kind of easy or vegetarian options will be easy to um to access
0: yeah i I think think it's the buddhist population i thought definitely if there's Buddhists, there'll be veggie stuff
1: definitely definitely that's really cool so how long did you end up in taiwan and was so, there anything that happened in Taiwan that, again, kind of yeah. changed the trajectory of, uh, of your life?
0: Yeah, heaps of stuff happened yep. in Taiwan. So, I went there um, in 2001, and what happened there? So many things. Okay, I landed a great job at a Montessori school. Yeah, it was really good. And I was t- teaching the children during the day, and um, I did that for a long time. And then I started to, about two years, and then I started to get a bit tired of being there. So a lot of the expats um, were drinking all night, but I had to work during the day. So that was sort of a strange relationship. And um, I, I was sort of also looking to find love. And a lot of the men were going out with the Taiwanese women. So that sort of was a dried up kind of area. And I had made the decision to leave. And um, they at my school they had hired a new teacher to take over the kids that I had been teaching for two years because you know they go in three year cycles so they hired this new guy to work and I thought okay I've got to meet him and um, so they set me up to meet the teacher and I went outside and um, shared a cigarette with him which was funny at the time (laughs) I didn't have any cigarettes but he had one he shared it with me and I was like oh that's very nice I don't know if I would have shared mine with him (laughs) so he already kind of got a tick. And we went for a juice instead of a drink, which was also something new. And out of his backpack, he pulled out a big thing of spirulina. Yeah, I know. So no one knew about spirulina except a few people in Toronto, like my vegetarian crew. So this Australian guy, he was an Aussie, pulled out his spirulina. And I was really like, what? Where do you get that from? You know? Oh. So I thought he was really cool. And then it turned out that he was a vegetarian, which was very difficult to find other vegetarians let alone vegetarian men that are attractive you know and then I went to his house and that he had my favorite book on his bookshelf at the time it was the unbearable lightness of being and he was into form films and it just all sort of kept you know adding up we went out for like dinner and we sat down at the table and it was my favorite number my lucky number you know so I was like oh <laughs> so then we fell in love and um yeah that, so that was he, a big game so he changer. Was, he
1: ticked all the boxes in a short space boxes. of time? Yeah. So, what happened there? So, this guy is meant to be taking over your job mm. and you're meant to be leaving. Yeah. So, what did you guys decide to do? How did that kind uh, of evolve?
0: Well, he we decided to stay a little bit longer because he was loving life there. And I can't remember what I did. I think I, I had a job at the Women's College. So, I worked for them and I probably changed... Or maybe just stayed at the school. This part's a blur, actually. I was all in love, you know, <laughs> that love bubble. I think he stayed there, and we started to dream about what next. Yep. I started saying, you know, I want to go, and he's like, you yeah, sure? Maybe we'll stay. So we started to look about, think about um, what we wanted to do with our lives together. Maybe we would go back to Australia and start a, um, a like, a, an animal rescue farm or something mm-hmm. like that. Or what else could we do? We kept thinking and we thought, well, maybe we'll start a business in Taiwan, a vegetarian restaurant that proved to be quite tricky. So then we decided to leave and okay. go back to Australia. And we both were done teaching. So we'd reached the sort of limit on that. Nice. Interest. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. What a story. Yeah. What's, your, yeah. what's, your, uh, what's your lucky number? 27. 27. Yeah. Okay, cool. My birthday is the 22nd. And are you in January?
0: Yeah. January? January 5th.
1: 25th? 5th. 5th. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm like, I'm the second day of Aquarius. Mm. Mm. So I'm just after Capricorn.
0: That's Aquarius is cool.
1: Yeah. So I'm not really into that, all all that kind of stuff. Anna Anna's into it a bit more than me. So I'm learning.
0: It's good to know your sign. A little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's all, that's all really cool. Where is your husband from?
0: So he's from Melbourne. Okay. Yeah.
1: So is this where you decided to come back to?
0: Yeah. So he had an amazing house. His dad's a builder. He had a house with apartment that we could move into so and he had a dog so we decided much to my parents disliking we decided to move here
1: very cool yeah nice one back to i was just thinking with you know in i suppose in the 90s like i'm not sure what it was like i was a a kid and i wasn't really looking at practicing kind of mind mindfulness and you know self-love and meditation and all those types of things i suppose how did you how did you get into that and were you ahead of your time were you finding yourself kind of you know did you have a community did you have people that you could bounce ideas off Mm -hmm. or was this something that you were on kind of like a personal journey on Yeah, yeah that's an
0: amazing question I think one thing that got me really going on the journey was having early childhood stuff to deal with so I st- learned at an early age, because my, f- basically, it's no not so tragic, but my dad left, my father at the time left the family and moved on and had another wife, so I just sort of had a bit of a fissure there of discomfort that I didn't really understand, and you know, pain inside my heart, like, what, how could you, how could someone leave their kid? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that, that was the thing, so that was the sort of catalyst that had got me to explore my inner world because I was actually rebelling a lot as a teenager I was running away all the time and stealing stuff and really finding very very full-on people to hang out with we all had a lot of pain so I think because of that which I really look back as a blessing um, when I decided to and I also had like an eating disorder as well so when I decided when I reached the bottom and then I and I realized okay if I don't Deal with this stuff. I, I think it's all good. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'm going to die or destruct, or, you know, I, I knew it wasn't really like a resourceful way to live. So once I sort of started to do my inner work, which was, you know, contact that father and ask the questions and go see a therapist and start to read some books, oh, the best. Oh, I know what happens. So I had um, a boyfriend who was also suffering. And uh, as a result, our relationship was very destructive and we went across the country together and we ended up in Vancouver. And it was there were highlights, but it was heaps of lowlights. And this girl had the book um, uh, by Wayne Dyer, Your Erroneous Zones. And I picked it up and I read the whole thing. And it was like to show you that you create your own reality and you are not your thoughts and you don't have to live in the life that you're living in. You can actually choose how you want your life to turn out. I think that book was like such a massive breakthrough for me because after that, I broke up with him. I drove back home. I was like, whoa, this is a totally different game I want to play. So that I think maybe other people were going through stuff like that, but we didn't really necessarily talk about that stuff that much, maybe just in my inner circle of good girlfriends. And I had found. I think Richard Gere was was talking about Tibet a lot. So I found the Buddhist community. The
1: actor, yeah. Richard Gere. Yeah. Do you remember? I know who I, I know who he is. Yeah. If you showed a picture of him, I'd, yeah. I'd know who he is. I don't really know any movies he's in. He's yeah. In
0: so he was a big star at the time, yep. <laughs> and oh he was God. talking about Tibet. Yeah, he was really cute, and mm. so I think he was talking about the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama was also quite prominent somehow in the world at mm-hmm. that time. He was doing a lot more public speaking. He had written a book. So I was able to sort of follow the Buddhist path. I had a friend who's a wonderful musician whose father was a, a Buddhist as well. So there was lots of uh, little paths I could follow around that. So I don't think I was ahead of my time. There was heaps of people doing yeah. stuff like that.
1: Cool. It's just, I suppose, when you, I suppose when you're not in that kind of community yeah. or you're not brought up in it, you see it as... I this is from my mm. perspective. You see it as something that wasn't very popular back then. But yeah. I suppose there was quite a, yeah, a large community. Yeah, there was yoga. There yeah. Was,
0: yeah, there was lots of stuff. It's always been going on. It's, I guess, whether you're focused on it or not.
1: Yeah, My exactly. focus was
0: greatly on it. And also, I had a roommate who was a Quaker. Mm-hmm. Her family was a Quaker. So, I used to go to a Quaker program with her and learn more about social justice and the importance of giving back and all of that. So, I, I think I was really well supported in living in a cool city. Yeah, there's heaps of like amazing temples and then yoga and then this person's doing reiki and weird stuff everywhere You just had it on tap and
1: that's in toronto yeah yeah toronto it's a is massive place. It's so good. cool yeah. place we were there we were there uh like late last year so we yeah. hung out with uh, a couple of animal activists oh, uh they're a couple peter and jenny mcqueen mm. uh they're based in toronto and yeah it's an amazing it's an amazing place for vegan food oh, yeah, i it's mean so good it's i suppose it's similar to melbourne in the yeah. term like in terms of how many options you've got um, but i didn't know about the the other stuff i didn't know it was big there the the yoga reiki yeah. um, mindfulness and eastern kind of yeah um, big influence eastern stuff But it, yeah.
0: again it's what you look what you look at i mean you could walk past a yoga studio and yeah true. You never know it's there exactly it's, you look what you, you find what you want that is true
1: so is that what that book was kind of yeah, teaching you. Sure. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, so that was a big.
1: What's the book called again?
0: It's called Your Erroneous okay. Zones. It's on YouTube now. All right. He just says that if you like audio books. Yeah, I listen to audio. Really I listen to audio books myself. Wait, yeah. do you know Wayne Dyer? No. Oh, he's cool. He's dead now, but yeah, but he's got some good. Oh, he's amazing. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that's de- definitely game check changer. it out.
1: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Cool. So we kind of circled back yeah. there, which is I just I was just kind of thinking, you know. It's, a, it's, yeah, very interesting to me that you're on this path. um, And that was your biological dad? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So do you stay in contact at all now no. or no?
0: No, that finished. Yep. And you know, it's cool. It's no problem. I talked to yep. him. I sort of found out what I need to find out. I mm-hmm. found out what I needed to heal in myself. Not not necessarily with his help, but I just realized that um, just because he burned me doesn't mean he needs to be you know like my father anymore. He's he's done his job and I have a very wonderful father with my mom, a new dad that she married when I was pretty young. He was always you know there I think from the time I was five and he adopted me so he's cool. So it's not you know I there's just actually you know when something becomes like redundant. <laughs> So I don't need
1: him. So I suppose that that something like that, if, mm. if, you know, let's say you didn't address that.
0: Yeah. Okay. You can't not.
1: So if you hadn't have addressed that um, and left it till later in life, mm. I suppose you wouldn't have been at peace with that yeah, and it might have had some effect. So if there is someone out there that, you know, has a similar situation that mm. they haven't addressed uh, that might be kind of like bubbling under their skin. Yeah. What was the thing that, Helped you to go, okay, Amanda, I'm going to start facing these things. Was there something that kind of made you, or did, was it just the feeling you had? From- it was
0: a feeling knowing that, like, when I started to realize there was a period where I was unconscious of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that it was related. I had stuffed it under. It was very embarrassing. I mean, I just felt so ashamed of the whole thing, like that. Now I know that I felt like it was my fault. But so at the time, I really couldn't even talk about it. I didn't even tell my you know, my boyfriends that I had had this other father or whatever. Um, but what was happening was I was just having a lot of bad relationships and uh, destructive thoughts, and um, I just didn't feel good. And I knew, if I asked myself what's wrong, I knew it was because there was something mm. there that was bothering me. I didn't really know what it was, but I knew that that was the answer. So I just I just decided, I could just see in my life, you know, it was just things were f- failing it just didn't work it's fighting unhappiness um self-doubt and i i just knew that this was at the center of it okay yeah and it was
1: very cool no that's awesome i think it's a cool lesson yeah i think it's a great lesson yeah the
0: sooner you deal with it the sooner you can be free the sooner you can be enjoy the fruits of of your courage you know, the confidence, that love, that it just unblocks a bunch of stuff. It's the best. Mm, cool. Yeah,
1: that is really good. I think that book is something that, you know, it sounds like a good read. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so back to Melbourne, where yeah. we where we kind of left off there. Mm. Um, so, you've got a nice kind of in, you know, right. you've got an apartment, you've yeah. got a, a, you know, a boyfriend that you're in love with yeah. and it's a great relationship by the sound of it and mm-hmm. you know, it turns out that way. So, yeah. we, know, we know where the story kind of, you know, is to date. So, um, what was the, if you were finished with teaching and you're in a new country, mm-hmm. was it difficult to find like a new, a new beginning for work? How did, you, how did you kind of navigate that new part of your life?
0: Um well, since i have back to this stuff, like since I did my inner work
1: mm-hmm.
0: I had a, a lot of trust in myself, and so it was very easy to find a job and very easy everything's pretty easy because I really just believe it's gonna be easy, and I just keep looking, I don't give up, so I just sort of found a job with a wonderful person that's connected to Mark just doing anything, and then I got a good job at um uh someone i don't even oh yeah another connection you know they They had a recruitment company, so I got a job as an admin assistant for a Coles Meyer uh, IT Mm -hmm. person. And um, yeah, this was no problem, But because I knew these things were temporary. And I had started looking, okay, either I'm going to go back to school to study psychotherapy, or um, Mark and I are going to open a business together. So we had sort of um, started to dream about what kind of business we wanted to have.
1: Okay, nice one. Yeah. So what what were the ideas? You know, yeah. you you've got this dream of having a business together. Um did you have you know, did you have a bunch of ideas that you mm. tried out or yeah, um sort of yeah, that you mapped out or anything like that?
0: Well, I think we did do, we did quickly talk about having this sort of animal reserve kind of B&B, but that sort of went away really quickly because yep. it's too big, I think, or strange or too hard to imagine for us. Um, we thought about doing catering for schools, vegetarian food catering at schools. And then that sort of led to opening a vegetarian restaurant, which we quickly realized we didn't have enough money for, which went back to this sort of catering, catering food for festivals. Okay. So it was pretty fast when we started to think of it like that.
1: Nice one. Um, so I understand, Hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. It was a food truck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's a food van. Food van. Well, it didn't drive itself. It's a food trailer. Got it. Got <laughs> yeah. It. So okay. It's like the size of this table that we're sitting at now, which is quite fit. It That's kind of. sits eight people.
1: Yeah, it fits eight people in there.
0: Um, this table seats eight people. Yes, it does. This is it's just sort of if you can imagine how big the van was.
1: I mean, I'm I'm thinking a food trailer, and I'm looking at the <laughs> table, and I'm thinking. <laughs> How do you fit in yeah, it was small it was very yeah tight. a kitchen and 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 people in there
0: <laughs> it was tight. you could only do one thing, you couldn't really pass each other. you just sort of had to face forward or backwards. cool, it's very tight
1: so with the food truck was yeah. it was it always Lord of the fries
0: yeah, so from
1: the beginning, or did you start off with like some different kind of concepts
0: okay, so. It wasn't always Lord of the Fries. It was first we bought the van or the truck or the trailer. So we got that because we had enough money for that. And we bought a Ford Falcon station wagon Mm -hmm. to hitch it to. And then we actually didn't know what we were going to sell in it. We had different ideas. So I called a lot of festivals and told them like, oh, we've got this uh, vegan crepe van. Are you interested? And they're like, meh. (laughs) And uh, we've got this organic soup and salad van. No. And so then we uh, spoke to someone, and she had said that she's got a food van, and she said the most popular item is fries. And Mark and I love fries. And it was very hard to get fries at the time that weren't made with beef tallow. It was always one of our sort of struggles. Everyone said you'd get the fries, and you'd ask, now they're cooked in beef fat mm-hmm. or whatever. So we just, as soon as she said that and we thought about it, we were like, yes, the fries, French fries. So we knew it was going to be a fry van. And we had realized in Taiwan, that different countries have different stuff that they put on it. Like in Canada, they do cheese and gravy.
1: Yep. I was going <laughs> to say, coming from Canada, the first thing that's coming to mind is poutine. Yeah. So, yeah, that goes, you know, that goes hand in hand with a fry uh, a fry truck, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: And I think he put me on sweet chili, sweet okay. chili and sour cream. So, and then we started to imagine, probably a lot of it's very outdated, but because we kept the menu for many years, but uh, we thought to imagine, you know, what would they serve in mexico what would they salsa so maybe we weren't so cultured but we had salsa (laughs) with jalapenos and sour cream because they're not just i don't know i feel embarrassed actually (laughs) (laughs) or what would they have if they were in india so we mango chutney with sour cream you Mm -hmm. know because each to make things creamy and africa which is actually we've got to rename that one and what would they what do they serve in belgium because i remember i went to amsterdam and they had these sauce, so yeah, so we just kind of created it like that just from our guessing, you know what cool. would they probably like, what do we like.
1: Nice. So it was yeah. like a bit of a fries of the world kind of yeah. kind of concept. Yeah. Now that's cool. I I think I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um it Did you take that into your first brick and mortar location? Yeah. Yeah. It still is today. Still is today. Yeah. So when I was younger, um uh, before I left Australia, I remember was it was there one in Flinders Street Station at There's any There still tr- is. There still is. Yeah. There we go. That's our so busiest store. That's the one that I yeah. would have gone to probably after a big night out.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Coming home and Lord of the Fries was open. And yeah, I, I, I seem to remember those open. concepts. Yeah, yeah. that's good. really cool. Still open late. So,
0: <laughs>
1: I suppose a, a big question for, you know, for many business owners yeah. out there, right? Heaps of people start with food trucks these yeah. days. Lots of people. And I'm sure that for a large majority of them, Owning a solitary food truck is not what they want to just do. They probably have ideas to either expand the food truck business mm. um, or to move into brick-and-mortar locations. Yeah. So how did you, you know, how did you kind of gauge the interests and when it was a good time to, mm. to move away from the truck? Was there any kind of like light bulb moments that was like, huh, this is time, this is time for us to expand?
0: Well, it was a lot of work, the van is heaps of work and you know, we were nearly 30 and thinking, is this what we're going to do for the next, you know, how long can we actually do this energetically? It's a lot of work Um, and the work's not consistent. So to create a whole lifestyle out of a van didn't seem like it was going to go, we're not interested in that. And furthermore, we were on the cusp of a new cycle of food trucks. So we were new. Um, All of the other food trucks were the old school kind of... There was us and Trippy Taco. Oh, yeah. And uh, the guys with the bikes and the juices. We were Mm -hmm. all on the kind of cusp of a new wave of food trucks. So we were very popular, I think, partly because of being a new brand. And also because of the cool name. I was going
1: to say the name is epic. I was going to... Like... um, Going into Google search, if you put in, like, Lord of the... Yeah. Fries probably comes up first. Oh, cool. And not flies. Yeah, go (laughs) with That's
0: good. Yeah, so Mark's brother came up with the name. Yep. Uh, So before... We actually got on the road, we um, we knew we wanted to do fries and we sort of had a session kind of like this with a few other people talking about what are we going to call this and we all were tossing up names and Mark's brother Sam said what about Lord of the Fries and we were like yes, we quickly googled it and uh, it hadn't been taken so we got that.
1: Epic name. Yeah, Yeah.
0: we did everything very grassroots like that, like we all just sort of brainstormed the name, we, we went to the markets and bought a bunch of different potatoes and cut them up and tried cooking them with a... Um, you know, a deep fryer from David Jones Mm -hmm. or good guys or something. And we did all of the recipes ourselves just by like trying them and getting our friends to rate them out of 10, you know, how good they were.
1: So did you find that like a particular type of potato was the best? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, I, maybe it was the russet.
1: I like a russet yeah. potato. Yeah, I'm that's a fan. Canadian, yeah,
0: Canadian favorite as well. I think. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and we we realized some were really took too long, they're too yellow, they crumble. Yeah, so we did everything like very, you know, if you if you just imagine starting something from scratch. Nice. Yeah. No,
1: that's that's awesome.
0: And at the events, we always had the longest queue, so we knew, and people kept asking, "When are you going to open a store? When are you going to open a store?" And you know that combined with. Uh, it was like a whole new wave of the food industry it was. It was all changing. It was mm-hmm. the there was like an old sort of school. Even in all the shops in the city, there's just new stores just popping up. Mm-hmm. Maybe Grilled had just popped up. Yep. Um, yeah. Grilled so. is
1: like a lot of American listeners here. So yeah. Grilled is an Australian kind of burger joint. Yeah. 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 yeah so they franchise. were part of the
0: new generation, mm-hmm. and uh, now there's many, 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 many. New ones that yep. have overtaken the old school, but it was just like a new generation, and we were just right on the. It's the right time. Yeah. Good for sure. name, great product. Uh, all the vegetarians told each other because they because there was still very limited vegetarian food, mm-hmm. and you couldn't really trust fries. That's so um, interesting
1: that you couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah, no, it's horrible. That's yeah, something yeah. we look out for now. Mm. If you like really, you know, if you're in need of a a meal on the road, fries is often like. If if there really isn't... a Like, we're in the Philippines, for example. Mm. And there's not a whole lot of... Not a whole lot of vegan options. Right. So, like, potatoes was a staple for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely oh. a good go-to.
0: Love potatoes.
1: So, when we're talking... Also, when we're talking about, like, the, the transition. The yeah. old school is kind of like... And, again, correct me if I'm wrong. But the old school is like this more sit-down restaurant kind of vibe. Yeah. And then the new school is this fast, casual, grab-and-go kind of yeah but the grab and go isn't like you know the regular takeaway it's a it's quite a it's quite a good experience for the mm. um for the you know the person buying it's like a you like know starbucks yeah nicely thought out venue
0: yeah um, i uh, think uh, that's was a yeah. big difference was the venues so like bright new signage that appealed to the people that were actually buying the products yep You know, that was like in their colors that they like and music that was cool and fun and sort of sign of the times. Mm -hmm. No,
1: I think that was the transition. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Contemporary, relatable marketing, a bit more transparent. Um, Totally. And it's like it's
1: the mainstream now. That's what you see popping up all over the world. Yeah. Is, you know, different concepts, but around this yeah this look and feel yeah i suppose yeah yeah so
0: we were at the forefront of that movement which was really cool
1: that's amazing yeah yeah so good so melbourne's quite a competitive place Mm. Um, so moving from the truck were you were you looking for a particular area to move your first brick and mortar into
0: yeah so we we were we only had the um the markets and events to model after and we always you know would only go to events that had a Lot of people because if you know, like our product really thrives when there's heaps of people, and also perhaps alcohol or people that are a bit younger that are not totally concerned about their weight. And you know, it's uh, burgers and fries, so we knew that we and also being vegetarian, we needed to be in a um that sort of space where there'd likely be more vegetarians, so we were looking for something very central, high traffic. Mm-hmm. Pretty much that's it. Around bars, around schools. And we sort of started to notice um, all of those places had McDonald's. So we started to look to where's McDonald's, where's KFC. They've already got that formula right. So perhaps that's where we should go. Okay. That was the sort of... I think, I don't know if we knew that exactly at the time, but I know that now we sort of look out for those things. And uh, I had taken a break from Colesmire, you know, like my lunch break. And I went walking around the city Mm -hmm. and there had been a juice trend at that time. And it sort of fell down. Feeling Fruity was the store that was there before. And they were up for lease at the corner of Elizabeth and Flinders, which is very, very busy intersection. And so I called Mark and said, oh, you know, there's a Savile sign here what do you think? And he's like, it sounds amazing. And then they call and they're like, yes, we really want someone. And, um, we actually had another partner at the time. Mark's brother wasn't with us. He was working as an animator and the other partner, we were all about to sign the lease. And then the other partner decided to pull out. So then fortunately Mark's brother decided to join us. And then the three of us signed that lease and took that spot.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Cool, yeah so right it was across
0: ex- from the train station. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exciting time.
0: Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. We both still had our other jobs, I think. So I was sort of working at Kohl's Meyer during the day and sneaking out on my, not sneaking, if anyone's listening. Uh, <laughs> like legally going out on my lunch break yeah. and quickly working there and then going back to work and then going there after work. It was crazy. Yeah. Wow,
1: that really is, yeah. that's the hustle right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I had the stamina and yep. I had
0: the desire and it was so well received. Like there was no uh, crickets, you know, there was like people lined up all the time. They were loving it.
1: And the vegetarian message was always at front Mm, of mind? No. No?
0: no, Nowhere.
1: For you guys? Yeah. Yeah. The vegetarian
0: message was part of our being. Exactly. But um, we didn't really... I think we might have put somewhere that we're vegetarian, but we didn't really even... We just decided just to put the food out there and see what happens.
1: So when when people are rocking up and they're used to McDonald's, they're used to KFC as fast food, you guys would have been, you know, I don't know, the only vegetarian fast food joint
0: yeah yeah
1: or the most popular it was at the really time popular yeah so it was when they're really coming great. to the counter
0: everybody knew knew us and i made a lot of friendships that i still you know we recognize each other from those from that store you know
1: did some people i suppose did some people were they surprised that yeah. it was vegetarian were totally. like oh it tastes amazing but it's it's not beef or it's not yeah. chicken yeah people
0: were very surprised and some people were mad Okay. How could you do that to me? Really? Yeah, you're tricking me. Yeah, I want my money back. Some people were very mad. I think we even lost some friends, not not good friends, but like some people that had been eating there and then they realized it was veggie and then they felt deceived and they never came back. Wow. Yeah, it was very confronting.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah. So now, like that's the beginning phase and having spoken about KFC and McDonald's, yeah. how do you feel about those guys adopting or trying and starting to adopt you know it might be like a veggie patty yeah what how do you feel about that
0: okay in my heart i really feel good about it yeah because if you i just think about how much meat they use and it makes me so upset so to think that some people are not going to eat the meat it's good yeah yeah and we're not the same some people will go there and some people come to us and i might even go there you know if i if i feel like it probably not but I could yeah. if I had something vegan. <laughs> it, it's I might. The, yeah. I'll definitely try it.
1: It's a um, yeah. It's a bit of. It's one of those things I've been thinking about personally. It's is, better, you know. Yeah, I, I think isn't at the end of the day, as a as a vegan, you've got to be happy with it. Or yeah, you know, you I, don't have
0: to eat there, but no. just to know that, like, a kid who goes with their parents and then they've got a choice. They don't have to eat meat. You know, if my daughter goes to a kid's party and they take her to McDonald's, she doesn't have to, not that it's a bad thing, she doesn't have to have the hash brown in the middle of the burger, which is what she does now, which Mm -hmm. actually probably tastes delicious, but she has a choice, you know, she's included. There's an option. And also it's affordable. Yep. you know because our stuff is it's not too expensive but it mcdonald's is cheaper
1: yeah absolutely yeah, I no think it's, it's good it's, it's better is g- for the world uh, totally it's massive i like that point you make though that you don't have to support it with your own dollar yeah you, you don't have I'm to not, go i don't i'm not gonna go no but if mcdonald's is gonna exist anyway it's yeah, gonna be there It's definitely gonna be there we can't we can't take it down you yeah. know it's a it's a it's a global multinational company yeah uh, if they're going to have a vegan option, it's a great thing.
0: Yeah, it's a great thing, and hopefully, like some of their staff will become vegan. It's just you know saving lives.
1: Totally, it's cool. That's definitely definitely the positive, without yeah. a doubt. It's good to see. Yeah. Um. Another thing, business like business wise. So. Oh wait, you know okay. we
0: may lose some customers. To, okay. To that, because they don't. They're actually looking for the bottom. They're looking at the bottom dollar. But the, the trend is growing in veganism and vegetarianism. So we're, as you know, we're gaining more customers.
1: To- oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think so. in that sense, the positives far outweigh the yeah. negatives. If, you know, if you are losing a few people here and there on price, mm. you're going to be gaining so many more just on the movement here, especially mm-hmm. in Melbourne like, yeah. and Australia. Yeah, it's awesome. You couldn't be in a better country mm. um, for the movement. I mean, it's in the last... Even in the last two years since we were last here, mm. uh, the restaurants and the options. Yeah, it's it's, it's not even the vegan restaurants on their own. It's also the, the non-vegan restaurants having the vegan options, which yeah. is absolutely boomed. It's yeah. um, it's really good to see.
0: Yeah. In Toronto, did you go to any restaurants that weren't vegan and notice that they have a lot of vegan options? You probably just stuck to the vegan we, ones.
1: We were there for about four days mm. and we we were definitely in that vegan Dale oh, area. How good. How
0: yeah. good. yeah. We right.
1: were definitely drawn to that. So I can't, I think we went to mainly all vegan restaurants mm. there. Cool. I, yeah. I
0: mean, I would too. That's yeah. what, that's how I roll you Yeah. Know, whenever, unless I'm with an Omni who needs to eat meat to survive. <laughs> we just go vegan anyways. Yeah. No, cool. that's, that's cool. Did you go to that um, one? I have forgotten what it's called, but it's, um, it's near Yorkdale and it's new and it's kind of fancy um no i'll ask you later Yeah, what yeah. it's called what was it uh, it's what fairly was posh. posh
1: planter yeah planter yeah. mm-hmm.
0: was good isn't it did you get that chocolate dessert by any chance do you remember oh. or they had like yeah it's delicious and expensive Yeah, <laughs> i love it i can't wait to go back it was amazing i think yeah. i got
1: i got a pizza for for my main i'm mm-hmm. pretty I sure see. And we had yeah we had an Australian waiter oh cool yeah so yeah. that was kind of wild it was good. yeah yeah
0: I love plant- it yeah,
1: yeah it we fun. loved it all I don't I think love we, it all I don't think we really had a bad experience in Toronto yeah
0: it's really it's easy to win there
1: yeah they had it down. Doug McNish is a really cool Oh, Yeah,
0: yeah, I met him. He's
1: a bit of a legend. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I think I met him. Yes. Okay. Where we've talked on Instagram. He's cool. I love what he does. Yeah, Yeah,
1: he's awesome. What was his Mythology? Yeah. Mythology Diner. So if we've got any listeners in Canada that that are in close proximity to Mm -hmm. Toronto, Planter is nice. It's a very good restaurant.
0: Yeah, you have to book.
1: Yep. It's a very busy place. It's Mm. a little bit higher end. But if you are in town Mm. on a Monday night, I think it's Monday mythology has a wing night
0: oh i'm going and
1: it's dope it's so <laughs> good it's like 15 bucks or you can eat wings. oh great yeah something like that yeah. so yeah yeah you've got some good vegan cities that are oh, that are so your good. home so yeah, yeah that's a, that's I'm definitely a, it. yeah that's a cool kind of thing to have in your back pocket yeah the question i was going to ask around mm. business is was franchising was franchising always like in the back of your mind
0: Um, expanding has always been in the back of our minds. So I've always known, like, if I can get the shop to Toronto, then I've got a ticket home Mm -hmm. or I love to travel. So I, it's always been on our mind to, to have worldwide expansion, but we never really knew how we're going to do it. And it changes all the time. We started out as a company owned business and we owned, I think five or six of them and a couple joint venture Mm -hmm. and that didn't really work. Okay. So then we, we tried out the franchising model and that's what's working now.
1: Cool. So with franchising, what's important? What's important in starting that first brick and mortar? What did you find was key in helping someone that was taking on a a shop roll out? What were the the main things?
0: Okay, well, one thing that we um, have down is our operational systems. So having that system and structure and being able to teach that and train them is for consistency was you know very it's the key to getting them but um something that that's something we can really control that's in my control uh what is more important though is finding the sort of right person for the shop they need to be in line with the values of lord of the fries so that doesn't mean they need to be vegan or vegetarian but a lot of them are but they have to sort of be service-minded um love food committed to staff, committed to people, people pleasing with, with personal boundaries, you know, so it's sort of the person I think is the systems. You need to have those really, really clear and replicable and train really well, but really picking the right people that are going to take the business into their, their arms, you know, as if they invented it is essential.
1: Cool. So, it's a bit of a match between yeah. those two kind yeah. of things. Yeah. So, from that first location in Melbourne CBD,
0: mm.
1: how far spread is Lord of the Fries now? Where are you guys available?
0: Okay. So, the furthest one, I think, is in Queenstown okay. in New Zealand. So, I we don't ho-
1: hopped yeah. across the ditch there. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, we have three in New Zealand. Okay. Auckland, Wellington, and Queenstown. And then uh, the next farthest one is in Perth. Okay. And uh, we've got one on the Gold Coast. Cavill Avenue, three in Sydney, four in Sydney, I mean, and we're opening a lot in Melbourne this year.
1: Cool. Yeah. Are you in, are you in Adelaide?
0: Yeah. To Adelaide.
1: Nice. We're going to Adelaide next weekend. Oh, good. So Adelaide's
0: really cool. Maybe that's
1: maybe we'll get two experiences. We'll get one in Melbourne this week, and then yeah. we'll head to we'll go to Adelaide next weekend. Mm. That, that'll they, be. They'd love a to
0: have you. Jay owns both the stores there. Okay. With Swati his wife, and they'd love to have you. Adelaide's beautiful. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's where I'm born actually. Oh, so good. That's my first home, Adelaide. Mm. Um,
0: it's beautiful. Adelaide. Yeah, it's, it's
1: a, nice. It's a beautiful city. Mm. It, it, I think it cops a. It cops a lot of uh, stick from fellow Australians as the, the boring city, I suppose. Mm. You, that's kind of the typical response to Adelaide. But mm. for anyone that travels to Australia, I'd check it out. Beautiful beaches, mm. beautiful city. Um, yeah. They, they uh, call
0: it Radelaide.
1: Radelaide. Yeah. Ex- yeah. So. And I think that's also giving it a bit of, you know, giving it a bit of shit as well. Which nah, is I never <laughs> thought of it like that. I was
0: like, oh, so cool. It's cool. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, nice you'll city. see there's yeah. heaps of vegan places now. Yeah. I love it.
1: No, we, we found it really easy to cruise around the city and, and eat vegan. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was great. So have you enjoyed the travel? Have you had a lot of travel yeah. with, with Lord of the it. Fries? Yeah. yeah,
0: I can travel pretty much anytime I want. Within Australia, I just coordinate with my husband and go to the store. So today, this, this morning, I was saying, oh, do you mind if I go to Perth for two days at the end of May? And he's like, yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah, I love it. Is yeah.
1: Melbourne your favorite Australian city? Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. But um the Gold Coast is really nice. Yeah. It's I like the walks, you know, the sunset, the sunrise. It's beautiful.
1: We have a friend that said the Gold Coast is actually booming with uh with vegan it's options booming and places. Everywhere. Yeah.
0: It is the the whole country is rising. Yeah. It's cool. No, yeah. it's a
1: bit of a leader. I think we saw that recently it was the third mm. largest growth in the world. Yeah. It was uh was Australia. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm.
0: We've got a store coming in Brisbane. Okay. Yeah, it's great.
1: Nice. Are you thinking of taking it outside of Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, all the time. Okay. I'm thinking
0: about that. Um, Again, it's a very big commitment. It's a big deal. So we really need to find the right people with the right intentions because it's not um, uh, like... Mm, it, it doesn't just like it's not like an online business it doesn't just generate money it needs a lot of care and it needs you know support and love and you can't just leave it it has to be you know managed so we have to find the right people who are willing to commit to it so we're talking to people in london right now we get franchise inquiries from around the world often wow yeah mauritius we got one recently we just got one from denver i think they they legalized one of those, at Ore- Oregon. Yeah, we got one from Denver. We got one from Oregon, China. Just recently, we get heaps.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, it's really, really cool. Good. Yeah. Denver would be cool.
0: I know. Everywhere is cool. Yeah. Honestly, anywhere is cool. I'm happy to go everywhere and anywhere. It's all cool. When you think of having your own business somewhere that you have to fly to, it's that like would be amazing. Best. Just yeah. Just saying.
1: You know Lord, yeah. the colors of Lord of the Fries and the yeah. and the 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 logo and the shop opening yeah. up in a new place. It, I, yeah, I bet it's a good feeling.
0: Yeah, I love it, and I just imagine one in Paris. You know, that's gonna really blow my mind when that happens.
1: That's um, I mean, that's that's amazing, and yeah. to see it expanding. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely stoked for that, and if it does make it to the states, yeah. well. We'll be there.
0: Yeah, my heart, though, is in Canada. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So this year, we're trying, we've are trying. we applied to get into VegFest. Have you heard about it? It's the biggest vegetarian festival in North America. So
1: what I understand, it's also the oldest. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we've applied
0: yep. for a stall. Okay. So we want to go and set up a pop-up. Mm-hmm. And I've applied to speak on stage. We'll see what happens. Nice. I just thought that'd be fun. Yeah. No, I hope you get in. That'd yeah, be, me that, too. That'd be
1: really cool. When, did yeah. you, when do you find out if that happens?
0: Um, hopefully this week. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's just hoping. <laughs> I've been writing to them. Please tell me. But they just finished a big event. Cool. So no one's replying yet.
1: Keep me updated. Yeah. And I can definitely add it into there the is. to the intro, or outro of the episode so we can let our Canadian listeners know that you'll be there.
0: Yeah, that'd be so good. That would be really cool. Yeah, that'd be the best.
1: Now, on this journey, yeah. you know, it's you said it's a lot of hard work, juggling two jobs at once, at, mm. you know, at a, at a time in your life there. Mm. Did you find it? Did you find it necessary to kind of have mentors along the way? Mm-hmm. Um, was it easy to get mentors? How did that kind of roll out for you? And how did you stay sane, calm mm-hmm. okay. throughout the throughout the whole process?
0: a so great questions. Um, at the time, mentorship was not on the radar, radar for me. I did get Janine Ellis' book, the first book she wrote about Boost. And I sort of used that as my um, okay. This is how a business sort of functions, because I had never run a business before. Yeah, I came from studying philosophy and women's studies and stuff. Right. So, but my husband had taken hospitality management. Now I had worked in a lot of restaurants, so okay. I had some, you know, some experience. Sammy was an animator. Anybody's very smart. So, you know, we we worked it out. But yeah, mentors, no, there were no mentors. And I did call a few businesses, like a few brands and ask do you have an operations manager because that was my title it's mine had head of operations or what have you something like that and before we had an operations manager now we do I'd call them and say hi I'm Amanda from Lord of the Fries um, I'm the operations manager and I've never had this job before is there anyone there that does the same job that might want to talk to me about some things I have some questions but I could never actually find anyone that's and I even tried that a few years ago as well like you know it's pretty closed industry I okay. think it's the still with that older model of thinking instead of like pulling energy and their abundance it's still sort of like scarcity and secretive hmm. so yeah i just read some business books and read her book and no no mentors and also yeah a bit isolated quite okay. isolated
1: so were, were you able to were you able to get help from anyone with you know were you able to bounce ideas off people or were there people that you would turn to for well, help? Well,
0: there was three of us. So okay. there's Mark and Sam and I, and mm-hmm. Mark and Sam are amazing. So the three of us would generate a lot of ideas. Okay, And I'm also very confident to go to different restaurants and ask them questions directly. Like mm-hmm. if I noticed something they were doing, I would say, oh, do you have a process for this? Like what's what are the rules around that? How do you train your staff to do that? Or uh, what do you do? Sometimes I would see like a guy that looked like a manager at uh, boost or something like that and I'd go up to him and say you know how, how are you doing with terminating employment I also would go on fair work a lot and read their stuff okay. and I think I joined um, like a retail union no not a retail union but a retail advisory where I could call them and ask them questions okay yeah so but a lot of it was just learning from experience and a lot of it honestly I think is common sense
1: cool well, that's yeah. good for people that are interested in yeah. starting their own business. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting group of people you've got there. You've, you know, your husband has worked in hospitality before. Mm-hmm. You've done, uh, you know, um, English teaching in, in Taiwan mm-hmm. and you've studied at university. And then your brother-in-law is an animator. I yeah. mean, that's a cool group of people <laughs> to start a, a small business yeah. in the hospitality industry. Yeah. Yeah, I think it gives a lot of people hope if that's the oh, road yeah. that they want to go down.
0: Yeah. And these days you can Google. And I think people are a lot more collaborative. I mean, I know, I, I think now I know a lot of vegan business owners that I feel comfortable going to them and asking questions and they often ask me as well. So we're not scared to share information. We believe that there's room for all of us.
1: That's the way forward. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. You see
0: Everything's that. changed.
1: Yeah. it's uh, It's a good environment to be a part of. Yeah. You know, whether you're a... Uh, a small business owner or mm. you know a podcast host or yeah. whatever you're doing creatively mm. it's it's nice to have those people uh, in your corner that are willing to collaborate and you can you know bounce ideas and energy off each other yeah yeah it's nice mm. so with that experience um, you know not having a mentor of your own mm. uh, and kind of searching for one is there any anything you do now to, to help or, or give back as a mentor yourself?
0: Mm. Yeah, so I do a lot of speaking at high schools. Um, I work with a lot of men and women that want some business leadership and coaching. And I put my hand up in as many opportunities as I can to try to give back. And share what I've got. I in fact yesterday I got an email from someone saying that they know someone in high school that wants to start a food business. Do you mind talking to him? You know, so I I try to extend myself wherever I can.
1: That's cool. Yeah, it's really good. Is there the League of Extraordinary Women? Yeah. Yeah. So so, tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So that was a big defining moment where everything changed for me. Um, so I had been sort of working with Mark and Sam and in a sort of smaller community, with our friends, and not really knowing many other business owners, just the sort of random people that I met um, when I went and just asked questions, you know, pretty awkwardly at different restaurants. And uh, one of our staff, her name was Saskia, she had volunteered to do something for this event called Run the World. And um, they were showcasing female entrepreneurs and asking them their startup stories. And she offered me as being one of the speakers. And I really couldn't believe it I was so um, honored and surprised and thought like what have I got to share what have I got to give I've never spoken about this before and then um, I got the opportunity to speak at the event for the league and there was like hundreds of people I think maybe 500 women all sort of entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs and I realized there's a whole everything had changed again you know all of a sudden there's these huge communities of business owners that are willing to connect and want to talk and want to share and inspire each inspire each other. So yeah, I I get involved with a lot of those events as well.
1: That sounds like a really amazing community to have. So good, yeah. Is it global?
0: Yeah, I think the league is global. There's opportunities all over the world to start your own sort of pod with Cheryl. She's the CEO of the league. And there there's definitely a there's one in Tasmania, Brisbane. I think there there's a bit of activity in Vancouver. I think Toronto had a bit so if anyone that's listening is interested, they can contact well they they can Instagram, League of Extraordinary Women.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. And the
1: lady that runs it is Cheryl. Cheryl Ty, yeah. Well there we go, guys. Yeah. If you know, if if you find yourself kinda in that boat where you're looking for a community of of like minded yeah. women that are entrepreneurs. Yeah. yeah. That's a great opportunity to start a, a little so pod in your, in your own town. Yeah, and yeah. they
0: have workshops and speeches. And the, I think their tagline is women who connect. So mm-hmm. it's, not, it's different than traditional networking. It's actually connecting, like being open and asking for help and sharing with each other. And she does a find your five, you know, the five people that you hang out with to sort of find other people that may, you know, where you share information. It's really cool. Awesome. It's very life-changing for me, game-changing. and brought me into the greater community and I felt safe and supported and also realized I actually have a lot to share and I've come so far. But before that I had never really reflected. I was just working.
1: I think sometimes we we think that, right? We mm. we we go about our kind of day-to-day and we're very focused on what we're doing. And then when someone asks us to share, you know, our our own personal story we're like what well, what could we possibly have <laughs> to share? But yeah. once you sit down with someone, You can be kind of like, yeah, reflective and proud of what uh, you've actually achieved. It's a good opportunity to to share your story. Yeah, Yeah, and
0: to write your story. So that forced me for the first time to write the story and then to put all the dots together, like when I became a vegetarian and how did that affect who I am now? And how did all those things like allow me to be open minded and wonderful enough to attract such an amazing guy as Mark and to... To, to have the courage to leave the country. Like it's all, they're all dots that I was able to connect together. So I totally recommend you writing your own story of how did you get to be where you are right now and go back as far back as you can remember the things that changed your life. And you'll see mm. there's a path. It's amazing. It's a no, beautiful that's a cool path. exercise. I haven't yeah, done that. That's, yeah, do uh, it.
1: Yeah, I think I might. That's um, Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, that sounds like a, a, a great reflective process, kind of like a learning yeah. Experience in itself yeah yeah
0: and also uh, another benefit of sharing your story is what the feedback you get from people when they tell you how it's affected them is like so cool and the hugs you know if you're in person or you know the messages it's really it's worth every second
1: yeah that's kind of mind-blowing when you when you do put it out there yeah to see how it can affect other people in yeah. a positive way. It's yeah. uh, it's quite amazing to, to get feedback, yeah. yeah.
0: It's worth the fear and the discomfort and the sweat and the nerves and the anxiety that you get about public speaking, like which everyone gets, most people get. It's worth all of that to get the sort of love at the end. Totally. I highly recommend it.
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's cool to, to learn about. I'm, I'm definitely, there's a few takeaways for me, myself mm-hmm. here, and I hope you guys at home also, um, you know, have a few takeaways. I've, I've really enjoyed... Uh, the learning opportunities from from chatting with you. Um, just another another thing that's come to mind is with with Lord of the Fries. Yeah. There's been a a transition at some point from from vegetarian to totally vegan. Yeah. So what brought about that uh, kind of change?
0: Okay, so Mark became a vegan. Uh, I can't really remember how long ago, but maybe five years ago. And um, there was, I guess all vegetarians, I think maybe it's a big generalization, but I think we kind of always have it in the back of the mind as a, another layer, you know, we could peel off or we could another step we can take. And it's sort of about when you're going to take the, the make the, the step, take the jump or whatever. So Mark made the jump and I sort of hovered on vegetarian, but basically as soon as he made the jump, he was like, I, I would want the business to be vegan. Um, now because we have a lot of stakeholders which are franchisees we had to sort of wait until we could find the right product at the right price that is still going to appeal to the people you know the vegan cheese hadn't evolved as much as sort of mark's personal views had so we had to put that off a few years and when we finally were able to get the right cheese basically that tasted good um, that the franchisees weren't scared of, which they were they were very nervous about transitioning to be honest. So once we had the right product at the right price, we transitioned. We just did it. We did it very quickly.
1: and they were on board. all the franchisees.
0: Well, they were scared.
1: eventually got on board.
0: they had to be on board. Yeah, they didn't have a choice. Yeah yeah, they had to do. It. that's the that's the benefit of being the master franchisor is that you can um, you have to make those decisions so mark made the call we got the product a few years you know we tried a few things and he he was very patient i mean if he if he was just thinking about himself he would have pulled the plug a lot sooner Mm. but he was thinking about you know the group
1: cool so yeah i I, we went past one of your one of your locations Mm. i think it's up like on that bridge on spencer street yeah towards marvel stadium yeah yeah exactly um and i saw a banner out the front now that you you stock beyond products yeah
0: that's very new
1: so that's pretty cool i mean that's something we've seen in the in the states for a little while now yeah um but having it actually in a you know yeah. a a burger and fries joint in australia
0: <laughs> i think
1: that's pretty cool it's, yeah. it's definitely not something i was expecting mm. um so how's the response been to
0: yeah, it's good. How's
1: the, I suppose how's the response been to the switch to, to vegan, a purely vegan menu mm. uh, and then also adding some of the products such as the Beyond products?
0: Mm. Uh, the vegan menu switch was very painless, to tell you the truth. Yeah, but we really had very little feedback about that. The vegans were really happy and uh, we just kept it on the down low and got a really good product. So that sort of went pretty seamless, I think. And I think uh, we got more credibility from the vegan community and we were really, totally. yeah, we were really proud of that. And and also then I became vegan and now Sam is vegan because we, we, I, I hovered for a while and it's been about a year or two since I've gone and he's recently transitioned too. Wow. Yeah. So we're all feeling really good about that. And some of the franchisees also have become vegan that were vegetarian or meat eaters. So wow. that's been fine um to the beyond stuff yeah people like the beyond a lot of the uh vegan community don't like it because it tastes too meaty but we don't have just that product so they just eat our regular patties which are more tvp
1: yep got it yeah it's no problem it's cool to see i think um yeah the the thing that got my attention was like the beyond sausage because that's relatively new in the states yeah so it's cool to see it did you try it i've had it in the states yeah um Yeah, I've got to agree with the vegans that Mm. think it's uh, very meat-like. Yeah,
0: it's very meat-like. It's kind
1: of wild. Like I I remember when Anna and I first (laughs) tried it, we looked at each other and we're like, "Is this? Is this uh, real? Or what's?" It was quite. um, This is
0: this is a new trend. Like this is that is going to be the bottom of the standard of meat technology. I think like it's Mm. only going to get more and more. Yeah. Meat-like.
1: I think the coolest thing about that kind of industry, right, mm. is that it's ever evolving. Yeah. Like with the you know, with the animal,
0: mm.
1: what can you do with the beef patty? Yeah. It's it, it's forever gonna be the same. Yeah. Um you're sourcing yeah. it from the same place. Yeah. It's inherently cruel. Oh, um, it's bad for the environment. Yeah. It's it's not gonna last. It's mm. uh, it's not the trend of uh where we're going as yeah. a society. Good. Um beyond Mm. They have the power to continue research and development on their product and and make it better.
0: Yeah, and things that we've never even thought of. Right. Yeah, like outside of the scope of our imagination. Yeah, it's amazing. And they just went
1: public in America. Mm. So they're now on the Stock Exchange, Mm, first plant-based company to do it. Wow. And I think they had the best first day since 2000 and Mm. early 2000s. Mm. And it's a plant-based company.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean... In this way, it's a great time to be alive. Yeah,
1: totally. For us, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think I've got to invest. I've got to find a way to invest in that company. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that's... um, It is an exciting time. It really is. And speaking of exciting times, Mm. what is in store in the future for you, for Lord of the Fries, and for any other ventures that you've got, you know, in the pipeline?
0: great so we started a new business last year called weirdos okay so that's a plant-based bakery with amazing sort of five-star croissants and almond croissants and chocolate croissants and beautiful donuts we have a cube croissant so this is a sort of uncharted territory beautiful products in the baked realm we've also got cookie dough so that's in Melbourne so we'll probably be doing more wholesale to try to get more of the vegan products in traditional cafes and also opening more stores of course we want to expand for Lord of the Fries and for me personally I intend to do more speaking more mentoring and trying I'm, I'm really interested in enlivening people's sense of inner success and fulfillment and self-care and self-love and all of the things, um, I think all of the things that I had invested in myself, which enabled me to attract such good love, good business, high vibes into my life. I want to try to help people tap into more of that inside themselves. So that's what I'll be doing as well as those other things. No, it's awesome. I think it's a,
1: it's a really good um, kind of holistic collective way of of doing business, mm. you know, you're not just thinking about, um, you know, Lord of the Fries on its own. You're mm. taking care of yourself. Yeah, you're able to take care of others, mm. learn from others, help others. Yeah, and and move forward as kind of like a yeah a collective unit rather mm. than this individual trying to battle it out on your own. Yeah, yeah. It's a I think it's a nice mindset. So yeah, it
0: feels amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I did want to see. Well, I wanted to tell you what you already know, but that actually I would really recommend meditation. Yes, as the gives me the that foundation, that fertile ground where I can rest, where you sort of get rid of the so sort of lower vibe thoughts, tap into the deeper frequencies, the happier places, and sort of more calm, more joy, less fear, less threat. So, my husband and I practice meditation and a lot of people in our community do. And I would say that that is a level up for any entrepreneur.
1: Cool. Yeah. With meditation, um, what's a good way to get started now?
0: Oh, that's a great question.
1: And then secondly, what's your daily practice or your practice? What does it look like?
0: Okay. So, I studied transcendental meditation, um, which is the trademark. That's a trademark. Thing. So my husband actually practices transcendental meditation. I, I study Vedic meditation. It's two 20 minute segments a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes of the afternoon. And you have a mantra, which you sort of let go and you sort of sit in silence. It's wonderful. There's a few different schools. Deepak Chopra teaches it. Mm-hmm. Transcendental Meditation Foundation teaches it. We're in the Vedic school. A great way to start is to get the One Giant Mind app. It's one with a, a number, and they have like um, videos, and it's a thirty-day challenge. And Johnny, um, he's the owner of that, and one of his, the one of the other previous owners, Laura, are both amazing meditation teachers. So Laura teaches here in Melbourne; she's an incredible in-person teacher. Johnny um, teaches in, I think he's moved now to the Sunshine Coast or Brisbane. Okay. No, 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 Bondi. Ah, yeah, nice he's bon- loving yeah. it there. Yeah. So you can find a teacher, you can sort of Google Vedic meditation teacher, or you can get this app and sort of start to teach yourself. And then through that, you'll probably find a teacher and join a community. It's um, amazing. I'm doing my teacher training. Ah, cool. Yeah. So I'll finish that at the end of June. Okay. So you can always contact me.
1: Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've kind of dabbled with meditation. Yeah. I I really enjoy it. It's... It is a nice practice, a bit of a grounding kind of practice, good way to start the day. Yeah, Um,
0: good way to start the day and sort of in the midday give you that rest. It sort of filters out a lot of the unnecessary junk. Yeah, for sure. Gives you a deep sense of rest, but it takes practice. You know, a lot of people, we sort of pick it up, and then we put it down, pick it up, put it down, try all different types. But if you can commit to one type and just do it all the time, you know, like as a non-negotiable, the rewards are... Incredible.
1: Exactly. That's where you really would start to see the the benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yet to even scratch the surface. So those yeah. apps I've heard are quite mm. helpful for yeah. anyone that's looking to start meditation. Great place to start. So that's one giant mind. Yeah.
0: One giant mind's yep. amazing. Yeah. Yep. There's also Insight Timer, which has heaps of different apps, but I I've advocate for One Giant Mind. Cool. I'll check yeah. that one out. Cool.
1: I know of... I think there's one called Headspace.
0: Yeah, Headspace is one. Um, I don't know too much about it, but I know it's good. I tried it. Mm-hmm.
1: The guy's got a very relaxing voice. So <laughs> I suppose I've only tried it a few times. It's probably like... Yeah, it's a nice one, I suppose. Yeah. I, um, and there might be a, another one by an author in America. Mm. I'll have to get it. I'll put it in yeah, the... Yeah,
0: there's a few. In the
1: outro. There's yeah, I mean, it's again, it's something that... It is funny that... The Western society Mm. is kind of looking to Eastern practices now more and more. It's becoming almost mainstream to look to Eastern practices. uh, Whereas the East are now looking to Western ways Mm. with uh, business and fast, like traditional fast food is is getting into their culture a little bit more. It's a funny time. Yeah, Um, it's amazing. Incredible.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that we can try to take the best parts, you know, yep. what what have they learned in ancient India and ancient civilizations about how to thrive as a human, what can we do today? And they're also taking maybe some of our best practices in business, I hope.
1: Totally, yeah. Yeah,
0: and some of the worst stuff comes through too. Yeah, it does. Mm.
1: Filter that out through meditation. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Well, meditation always leads you in the right place. Yeah. You know, you just end up finding the right place, the right time, the right people, and you feel good. You know, you look younger, you're happier, you bring a better presence wherever you go. It's really cool, especially if you're, uh, you know, pounding the pavement, trying to make stuff happen.
1: Definitely. Mm. Definitely. How has it been with kids and going vegan? Yeah. How do you, how do you kind of navigate that um, part of your life?
0: So the kids are primarily vegan Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's been great. They've born veg um, they, I've sort of let them, you know, we, we have very little dairy in the house. I don't even know if we have any, maybe. So they're sort of like vegan by default. They don't really know that though. But Coco, she's nine. She's, she's sort of started to refer to herself as vegan, but haven't really talked about it much with her. Hmm. She's just leading. She's learning by example.
1: Back to where you began. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they love it. There's more vegetarian kids in the school than there ever have been. Like, you know, compared to my high school or whatever. Or uni. Totally. Yeah. Um, there's always like that option on, at parties. You know, they they message us, is there any vegetarians? So it's a pretty easy world for them right now.
1: People are becoming more conscious of it, I yeah. suppose. It's cool that if they can go to a birthday party and yeah. still, you know, not have the roadblocks. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it's so good. I I have heard that for, you know, others because I suppose everyone has a different experience. So, yeah. you know, if your kids do... Go to a birthday party mm. and there's not any vegan options. Mm. Then I don't know. Do you think you gotta you gotta kind of let them just navigate it themselves?
0: Well, I feed them before. Ah, uh, good call. <laughs> or good call. if I know there's like marshmallows, I'll give Coco a pack of vegan marshmallows to take to the camp. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if I know there's gonna be gummy bears or whatever, I'll give them vegan. I give her her stuff to support her as well. Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When do you think? Is there a time that you think um, you'll be? I suppose, speaking on a deeper level about veganism. Mm. Uh, have you thought about that?
0: You mean in terms of why, like, the, yeah, I have since she was really little. Yeah. Yeah, I bought all the books. Every time I saw there was a book at any of the vegan markets, like, you know, food is animals are your friends don't eat them or whatever i can't remember what any of the books are called right now but i always bought the books the kids books and just read them to her okay she's known she knows about everything not in total graphic detail but at an appropriate level for her age yeah. yeah she knows and and she has strayed sometimes like in her thinking uh when she was um younger i don't remember how old maybe six and she would say well why does it matter if i eat this chicken and i'd say you know well it's up to you. You know, you can eat it if you want, but you should think about the chicken's mother and how is that really going to feel? Are you sure you want to do that? You know, they—they, they, you want to harm them? Like, what kind of person does that make you? You know, I'd ask her all these questions and then by the end, she'd be like, oh, okay, I'm not going to eat that chicken. So, but she doesn't really test it anymore. She's pretty solid in it.
1: Yeah, kids are kind of an interesting case study i suppose like mm. they're kind of, they're compassionate by default like that's yeah. that's th- the way they are when they're brought mm. into the world if you give them the option like that yeah i said sup- i i don't have any kids but mm. are they more likely to choose the compassionate option
0: um yeah if given the I, choice if but but the thing is i think meat tastes really good so once mm. they start eating meat I think it's harder. They, I I mean, there's psychology around it, but I, I feel like they just get, you know, like really fixed on the taste and they don't want to give it up. Yeah. Because well, I don't understand why else they wouldn't. And it's somehow it's easy to block out the cruelty. I don't understand the dynamics of that. Yes. Yeah, but I'm happy that my kids are veg and I hope they always stay veg. And I don't see, they don't seem to be threatened by it at all. They love it. I think they're proud of it. Coco always asked me to buy her those shirts, you know, that have, you know, like pigs are just as smart as dogs or, you know, I don't eat my friends. And
1: So she's a little activist. Yeah, she loves it.
0: She loves stuff like she loves the sea shepherd. She loves working in the shop. She comes to the vegan markets with me and stuff. She's down for that. She loves it. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's, um, it's all an interesting kind of time Mm. where, you know, the The societal norm is is not vegan, yeah, so bringing you know or turning vegan ourselves and mm. bringing in children to the world that uh, growing up veg or or vegan mm. it, it really is an interesting time, and it's cool to learn uh for me in the future mm. um you know we've got decisions to make and um yeah i think it's it's cool to discuss
0: yeah, it's great, it feels really good yeah for me I'm happy to discuss it time, especially um you know, when you give the news that you're going to have a baby.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Rounding this one out, where is the best place to find you um, mm-hmm. or contact you um, if someone has a question or, um, you know, wants to reach out? What's the best way to find you?
0: Uh, well, I'm on Instagram for Amanda or at Lord of the Fries one or okay. email Amanda at Lord of the Fries dot com dot au. Happy to, I'm on all three all day. So
1: beautiful. Yeah. No, nah, it's been a. It's been a really... I'm so stoked we got to connect. I didn't really yeah. tell the story in the beginning, but the, the two girls from Kind Community that we mm. interviewed in Bali uh, reached out to me and said that Amanda was at Kind. Um, yeah, And delicious. we, we kind of crossed paths in Bali. We mm. weren't in the same place at the same time. So really, it was cool that we got to, you know, we got to hang out today. Yeah. I thank you, you know, so much for your time. I really mm. appreciate it. You're extremely busy with a, a really cool... A um, couple of projects now with weirdos, mm. and we can't wait to yeah. to go and check it out. I love I'm, it. I'm I'm looking forward to. Mm. I think we're going to go tomorrow. So oh, cool! Yeah, looking forward to to go on a Lord of the Fries. And yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the show.
0: Yeah, and thanks for doing what you're doing too. It's amazing. It's really good. Thank
1: you, Amanda. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in today. Episode number 40. It's a nice little milestone and I thank you for joining me on this ride, helping me share the stories of inspiring people who are leaders in the vegan and plant-based community. I really enjoyed that chat with Amanda. She's an inspiring individual and an extremely kind person. We hung around for an extra 25-30 minutes after the show and we just had a chat. So thank you to Amanda if you're listening in today. For those interested, the book she mentioned is called Your Erroneous Zones by Wayne Dyer and the meditation application was called One Giant Mind, which I'm planning on getting into. If you've got any people that you'd like to see on the show, drop me a message and I'll do my best to have a chat with them. As a heads up, we are traveling through Baja California in Mexico and up back into the USA through San Diego and Los Angeles this month. So, If there's people in those areas you'd love to hear from, I'd love to hear from you. To stay up to date, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow us on Instagram. Next week, you will not want to miss. We have professional AFL footballer from the North Melbourne Kangaroos, Ben Brown, on the show. One of the kindest people we've met. Can't wait to share the conversation with you. Until then, guys, keep it plant-based and we'll see you then.